And the next two weeks, we're talking about this concept right here in Tampa as it is in heaven. In Tampa as it is in heaven. I want you to know today, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place that God has prepared for us. It is a relational place where we get to spend eternity with our heavenly Father God and our personal Savior Jesus. It is where we are going when we surrender our life to Jesus. Eternity matters. Heaven is real. And one of the greatest things that we're invited to understand is that the things of heaven can happen here on earth. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of earthly things out there that I'm not a big fan of. People arguing, people yelling at each other, traffic on malfunction junction between 275 and I-4. No one likes that. I love that people are moving here, but sometimes I'm like, hey, hold up, everybody. We've got to figure out the roads first. There's a lot of cars out there. It's earthly things that stress us out and rob us from peace, but the thing is that when we trust Jesus with our life, we can experience heaven on earth in Tampa as it is in heaven. We love this city. That's why we do serve days all the time about where we can give back. I love this city because I love the sports teams and I love living in Champa Bay and I love all the amazing places that we get to go to and have fun and enjoy the city that we live in. Most importantly, I'm so in love with the fact that we can bring heaven to this city, that we can bring hope to this place. In Colossians chapter three, which is a book written by the apostle Paul, and he's writing this because People are so focused in the church in Colossae at this time. They're so focused on earthly things. They're focused on if I do this, then I get that. And here's the routine of life that I'm supposed to follow to earn and get. And even when it comes to going to church and, and having a relationship with God, here's all the, the boxes that I have to check. And Paul encourages them and reminds them that this is not what it's about. There is something that you have to do, a posture that you have to take. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if we'll throw it up on the screen, here's what he says. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Would you underline that phrase for me on your notes today? Set your hearts on the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. When you're seated at the right hand, it's the symbol of power. That Jesus, again, has power in our life. Fear will never conquer me. Why? I belong to Jesus. So what do we do? We set our mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Jesus. When you've given your life to Jesus, your past is dead. Your old mistakes are dead. The hurt or abuse or names you were given your whole life, those things are gone and are dead in Jesus' name. And now we set our mind on things above. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get distracted by what we see. It's easy to get distracted by what lives right here in front of us or in our peripheral. But what I want to talk to you about today is the freedom that is found when we set our hearts and minds on the things above. A guy named David in the Bible tells us that it's a privilege to look up and see where Jesus is, the right hand of God. It's a privilege to look up over our problems, over our situations. That's the title of today's message, the things above, above our pain, above our problems, above our jobs, above our relationships, the things above, the things of God, the things that Jesus has for you and me. Here's the goal over the next two weeks. 
is I want to help you begin to write this down, view everything through the lens of eternity. View everything through the lens of eternity. That this is not all that there is. That this is not what my life is destined to be. I have an eternity in front of me. And I have a choice whether that eternity is going to be with God or far from God. But if I've surrendered my life to Jesus and entrusted my life to God, I can view everything through the lens of eternity. Because here's what Jesus said. I love the words of Jesus. I, I love listening to the things that he's told us and, and taught us and, and left us with. And John chapter 4, verse 3, here's what's going on uh, in John chapter 14. Here's what's going on right before this verse. The disciples are realizing that it's kind of becoming unpopular to follow Jesus. They're realizing that maybe they're a little bit of a fair weather fan when it comes to following Jesus. You know those people who are now Bucks fans just because we're good? Out of the, what would you, I've never heard you talk about the Bucks, never heard you go to a game. Well, hey man, we're good now. Brady's coming back. I love him. But they're realizing that maybe this isn't all that they thought it was going to be. It might be difficult to follow Jesus. They might be persecuted for following Jesus. It may not always be miracles of feeding the 5,000 or raising the dead. There may be some difficult things they have to walk through. You ever felt like that in your journey of faith? That it gets difficult. And sometimes it's difficult because you are following Jesus. It's difficult to make healthy decisions and, and trust God when it doesn't make sense. It might be easy to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to do it on my own or I'm going to go back to this. And when the disciples come to Jesus, here's what he says. He, he doesn't give them a miracle. He doesn't tell them, hey, it's all going to be okay. This is what he gives them, and I believe he's given it to us today as well. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. I love this verse. There's a lot of pregnant people in our church right now, and they're getting all their nurseries ready. Fresh coat of paint on the nursery walls, putting up those Ikea cribs, which make you question your salvation when you're trying to screw those things in and all you got is pictures. I almost threw our pack and play out the window when I was trying to put it together for Shepherd before he was born. They'll test you. But you're preparing a place. When you have somebody over to your house, when we have our, our married circle over to our house, or when you have friends over, our party started, you prepare a place for them because you care for them, because you love them. And you want to serve them. Well, just like we do that here on earth, Jesus is doing that in heaven. He's preparing a place for you. And so when the difficulties come in, when stresses come in, and following Jesus seems a little difficult, or maybe there's doubts and questions that you have, and you don't know if you even fully believe this thing, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you right now. I'm getting everything ready. Because I care about you. I love you. And you know what preparing a place says to us? I thought about you before you even arrived. And I want you to know today, maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet, or you haven't trusted him, or you don't really fully believe in God. I'm just glad you're here. And Jesus will say to you today, I'm still preparing a place for you. Because the door's open, and I'm ready for you to come on in. Would you pray with me today as we finish up, or not finish up, as we start our conversation today? Not that short of a message, but it'll be a good one today. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you're preparing a place for us right now. Be with us today. Pray that we would open our hearts and open our minds and listen and lean into you. Father, I pray today that you would be with all of our kids and local city kids. Help them have an awesome time at church. Be with our kids team. 
as they prepare a place where our next generation can fall in love with Jesus. We're so thankful for the Easter season. Put on our hearts and minds those people that we're called to invite and bring into this place. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, give me a good amen, and let's jump into it today. And one more time, before we really jump into the message, would you give a big shout so they can hear you and welcome everybody that's watching for Local City Church Online. Come on, give them a shout where they can hear you. So glad that you're here today. And then the, the Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. And I just want to let you know that when we walk in here on Sunday mornings, it doesn't necessarily look like this. And today, I just want to always honor our home team, who is who we call our volunteers. At about 9.30 today, when we were practicing and getting ready for the morning, we lost power all over the stage, and everything went dark. And man, immediately, without anyone having to say anything, our volunteers and our home team stepped in to preparing a place for you today so that you could be encouraged, so that you could be empowered to know that, man, there's an experience with God that people are going to have today, and we're going to do whatever it takes to serve them. So would you just give a shout of thanks to all our home team that make this happen every Sunday. And as I say, if you love applause, if you love being a part of something bigger than yourself, come to Growth Track today, and you'll be able to be on the home team. And so when we clap for you, you'll know, hey, I helped make that happen. I was thinking about this concept today of in Tampa as it is in heaven and this idea of viewing life through the lens of eternity. And it reminded me of something that we all use every day, that I've got a couple things listed on there right now. Our house has been blessed by things from this place, and that is the Facebook Marketplace. Who loves the Facebook Marketplace out there, right? Like, especially when you find that deal that's like, oh, yes, I want that. Our couch is from Facebook Marketplace. Our dining table is from Facebook Marketplace. A lot of chairs in our house are from Facebook Marketplace. Just because I love hopping on there, that's cheaper than what I can get it for in the store. Yes, I'll come get it. And I, like, I do like the haggling. I like the deals, right? I'm not going to offer list price because otherwise, why would they put it on Marketplace? They know that someone's going to come back with a little bit of a negotiated price. But here's what drives me crazy a little bit. When you put something on Facebook Marketplace, like we've listed furniture, listed electronics and things like that, and say you list something for maybe $200, it's a camera or some sort of TV or electronic, and sometimes people will have the audacity the nerve to Facebook message and say, hey, I'll give you 20 for it. No, man. Like, what? Do I, I would just rather have it than give it to you for that or donate it to someone. My first reaction is, no, this is like new. Actually, when I put like new, it actually is in good condition because we take care of our stuff. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to maybe 150, but not 20. Are you crazy, man? No. Maybe you're that person. You need to repent today of doing that, all right? But here's the thing. I don't, I don't even give that offer the time of day. Why? Because I know what's in my hand is worth more than that. Now, I may, I may negotiate and walk through some conversation, but I'm not going to let it go for less than what it's worth. And I believe when we begin to view our life in the lens of eternity, when things approach us, whether it be stuff or relationships or even earthly things that will say, hey, I'll give you 20 for it. And you're like, heck no, man. My life is worth way more than that. So I'm not going to give my life to, number one, someone who's not going to appreciate it because they haven't paid enough for it. And number two, I'm not going to satisfy for, I'm not going to be satisfied for less than what I was created to be. 
You have to understand that God's put a price tag on your life. What is the price tag? His one and only son. I've heard it said before that love is defined by what someone is willing to pay for it to receive it. And God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. And Jesus loved you and cared for you so much that he conquered sin and death and the grave and took on all our sin, the sin that we deserved, so that we could have life, so that we could know that he is the hope that has a name. And today I want you to understand that when you begin to get rooted in that and planted in that, when things come in or voices come in or your past or mistakes or even the enemy comes in because he loves to seek and destroy us, when he comes in and he says, hey, I'll give you 20 for it, you're like, hey, man, block, delete your message because my life is worth way more than that. And yes, it may be more difficult. Yes, I may have to wait a little while to receive the blessing, but I know that I am worth more than that because Jesus... Jesus himself gave his life for me. I don't deserve it, but he did it anyway. Because I believe in a heavenly father that is that good, that strong. And my very best friend is someone who is more powerful than I could possibly imagine. And all hail his kingdom and his name of King Jesus in my life. And there were people in scripture, we believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe it's way more than just a book. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle that we can hold in our hands. It's a real-life miracle of the testimony of God that is given to you and I. And in Scripture, we see these stories of people who simply believed God for who he said he was. We see people in Scripture who God told them to do something, and they did it, and they never gave up. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the chapter of faith. Now, we'll talk about faith in a second. We'll talk about what it is. But faith is this thing that keeps us going. Faith is this understanding that our foundation is concrete in who God says he is. And I have faith to trust God no matter what. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith because it begins to celebrate these heroes in Scripture, in the Bible, that are heroes of our faith. Why? Because they trusted God and gave their life to him no matter what. In the beginning of the chapter... We see some stories of people who believed God and trusted him. There's stories of guys like the name of Elijah, who's in the Old Testament, another guy in the book of Genesis, whose name is Enoch. Again, looking for names, Enoch's a good one. I think it's great, and I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us in one short verse that Enoch, Enoch walked with God and lived a righteous life, so much so that he actually never died. God swooped down and just brought him to heaven amidst the turmoil of earth. It's like, Enoch, just come live with me, buddy. Come on. You're following me. I just want you to be with me. And that ended up good for him. But there's other people in Scripture that were promised something, and they believed God up until the day they died. And they may have never seen the promise that God gave them, but they still held on to it. One of those guys is the name of Abraham. Abraham one day is sitting out in a clearing, and God says, Abraham, look up to the sky. Do you see all the stars? They're impossible to count. One day you are going to be the father of many nations that outnumber the stars. And that was made possible in Abraham's life because he simply trusted God. When God said, go, Abraham went. When God said, Abraham, do this, he did it without question. He went to war to save his nephew. He left things that were comfortable because God told him to go. He made sacrifices that just boggle the mind, but he simply said, God, if you say it, I'm going to do it because I trust you. But guess what? Abraham never saw the promise of that he would be the father of many nations. 
He didn't wake up one day before he died and see billions of descendants. We see it now because he's the, one of the fathers of our faith. In the very beginning, had some of the first beautiful moments one-on-one with God, but he didn't see it. So the thing is, we have to understand that viewing life through the lens of eternity can really impact our life and can really be a testimony to those who are coming after us. Because here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 13. I want to read it for you. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. Would you underline those two words? Still believing. My favorite band is Journey. Don't stop believing. Gone to see him in concert. It was a different lead singer, but he still sounds the same. So I love it. Got their album, Greatest Hits. Don't Stop Believing's on there, of course. And something way more powerful than an 80s song is the promises of God that we can't stop believing in. We've got to still believe it no matter what. Wait, Ryan, what if it doesn't make sense? Still believe. What if people tell me I'm crazy? Still believe. What if it is so overwhelming I can't even imagine that God's going to come through? Still believe. What if it's not what I want? Well, if it's what God promised you, still believe because it's better than what you want. See, they did not receive what was promised. This is huge. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. What does this phrase mean? They saw it from a distance and welcomed it. I love, I love my friends. I love people. We had a shepherd's birthday party yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. But I wore a bright red shirt so people could find the party because we were at one of those shelters in the middle of the park, right? And when I would see people I recognize, like, hey, we're over here. Now, when this scripture is written, when it says they saw it from a distance and welcomed it, that's kind of what they're describing. I see something, I'm familiar with it, hey, over here. It actually is like the word to salute someone from a distance because you've recognized that they're there, that they're present. What does this mean? It means that when we see the promises of God, even from far away, we go, hey, I know it's there, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to still believe. It says they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things, this is great, are looking forward to a country they can call their own. I love that line. A country, a heavenly place that they can call their own. If we keep going in verse 15, it says, if they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back. It's the freedom that we have when we believe in God. We have freedom to go back. We have freedom to say, you know what, I'm done with this. But I promise you, you're going to regret it because you're going to miss out on the beautiful things God has for you and the things that he's promised you. Maybe some of us here in this room, we're at that pivotal moment right now where we're either here on the precipice of saying, God, I'm all in or God, I'm all done. And we have to take a deep breath and really think about what that means. Really look back on our life and really look forward and say, am I willing to go on through this life without God? Because I can't do without him. It's only him. It's always been him. Let's keep going in verse 16. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Once again, this phrase, God's prepared a city for them, prepared a place. I love that line that says God was not ashamed to be called their God. Why? It does not say God was not ashamed to be called their God because all the great things that happened in their life, because everything that they did was great, and they saw it all happen. No, God is not ashamed to be called God of those who simply and still believe he is who he says he is. 
even when life doesn't make sense, even when it seems like it's foolishness to even trust God with what's going on, even if it seems like, again, it's so overwhelming that how is God going to make a way or heal that sickness or provide for that financial need? How is God going to do it? I do not know, but I'm going to still believe because God is stronger than me. He's more powerful than me. He's got a better plan than I do. So no matter what, I'm going to still believe because I'm looking through life through the lens of eternity. I'm so small compared to eternity. And I'm trusting that what God has for me and what he's preparing for me is exactly what I need. Because when someone who is eternity-minded and kingdom-minded, you can't keep them down. Another thing that Paul wrote, not in, the, not in Colossians as we talked about, but another thing that the Apostle Paul wrote that I always share, that I always love, is he says, if I die, it's great. Die is gain. But to live, that's Christ. So when Paul's writing this, he's in prison. And he says, okay, okay, soldiers, if you kill me, awesome, I get to be with Jesus. Well, fine, we're going to let you live, Paul. Oh, cool, great, because then I get to tell you about Jesus. So you, when I die, you can come with me. Oh, well, dang, what are we going to do then? I don't know how to stop. And life will have the same response to you. All right, life's going to hurt us, going to kill us. Gonna, well, that's fine, I get to be with Jesus. I'm eternity-minded, it's good. But if life lets me live... I'm kingdom-minded. I get to tell people about Jesus. I get to bring hope local. I get to experience God here on earth. Nothing better. So you can't stop someone who is looking through life with the lens of eternity. And I want to give you a few things that here's what we build our life around. Again, it's in Tampa as it is in heaven. So here are four heavenly things that we build our life around. And just before we start that conversation, I want you to understand there is no better feeling than when you see this walked out. When you see this eternity-minded spirit lived out in life. I've told you this before. You know, we, even at Shepherd, just turned four this past week. And every single night, we're encouraging him to pray and, and, and believe that God loves him and, and know that God is for him. Even at a young age, we want him to know that God is the one who's given him life. That God, again, is, is there for him, is keeping him safe, is protecting him. And so Friday night... You know, Saturday morning we had his birthday party, and Friday night, weather report looked bad. Like, 100% chance of rain, 10 a.m., birthday party, 10 a.m. We got a bounce house coming. We got cupcakes. We got people coming. It's in the middle of a park that, yes, it has a shelter, but it's a long walk there. No covering. Not going to be good if it, pouring, it pours down rain. And so we said, Adrian, being the incredible mom that she is, said, Shepard, why don't you pray for tomorrow? Why don't you pray that God would keep the rain away? Now, that sounds sweet, but what she did as well, because I wasn't able to be there that night, was she recorded it, and I wanted to share with you our son's little eternity-minded prayer that will encourage you today. So let's make sure the volume's up and, and play this for us and hear my little guy's prayer about his birthday party. Hopefully it encourages you today. Come on, amen, everybody. That's powerful stuff right there. 
Did it rain at 10 a.m. yesterday? Nope. So if you had an event, you have my son to be thank- thankful for, all right? Now he prayed, and, and we, we, I wanted to take a moment during that day, and I told everyone that came to the party because their reaction was, wow, what happened? No rain. I was like, yeah, because my little four-year-old son, I, believe, I just believe this, prayed. Prayed that it wouldn't happen because it was important to him. It mattered to us. Now, I was praying like, okay, God, you know, you know, I could use your help here. Prepared a lot for this birthday. But it didn't happen because we prayed. Now, listen, I'm not going to say God's going to answer every single one of your prayers. You'll be saying, Ryan, I've been praying for a long time. This still hasn't happened. Well, keep praying. Still believe because God will answer them in ways that make sense or sometimes that are better than we even think because God knows better than we do. When you're eternity-minded, when you understand that heaven is a real place that exists with God and having a relationship with him, it's a place we're going to be for eternity, you begin to pray like, yes, God is actually that powerful. Yes, that God actually can answer prayer and do things. Yes, God, even as Jesus said, loves to see heaven happen here on earth. It's the second line of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's gates are waiting to be opened by your prayers, and we've just got to do one thing. Pray and believe that God can do it. Pray and believe that God is who he says he is. Surrender some of our control and say, you know what, God? Here I am. Use me. I give you my life. Here's four things to build your life around as we begin to finish up. The first thing is gratitude. What's a heavenly thing? Gratitude. Waking up every morning and saying to God, praying to him, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for letting me know what heaven is like here on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price so that I could have a relationship with my heavenly Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and giving your life for me and walking out of that grave in three days so that I could be forgiven and set free today where I could pray for my family, and when I pray in Jesus' name, you bring it to the Heavenly Father. Thank you for standing side by side with me through my life and being there for me no matter what. Thank you being the name, Thank you for being the name above all names. Thank you for being the brother, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for saving me. You want to start in a good posture in your morning? Start it by thanking God. Breathe in, breathe out. There's a reason to thank God. Is there a roof over your head? There's a reason to thank God. Trust him. Build that heavenly thing in your life. Why? Because heaven, not earth, is my home. That's the next blank to fill in. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. I have a confession to make. My wife and I, we have a confession to make. Uh, we, when we go to a hotel room, it's a mess. You know, it's just a mess. We don't, I don't know. I never understood. My dad was one of these people who, like, actually put the clothes in the drawers. What? Why? It's not my home. I'm just staying here for a little bit. So I'm not saying, again, not to be good stewards of our life or steward good things that God's given us, but I have this mindset of I'm not staying here. So I know it's only for a little while. Heaven is our home, not earth. So little things don't have to bother us as much as they used to. We can realize that if I lose everything, I still have my eternity in heaven because of what Jesus has done for me. Heaven Heaven is my home, not earth. I'm thinking about the idea that I'm grateful that God's brought me to this place. This place is not my home. It's where I'm at, and I exist, and I live, and breathe, and move. But ultimately, it's not where I'm going to spend eternity. That's heaven, when I've surrendered my life to Jesus. Here's the second thing. The second thing is humility, to realize that I've never deserved this. 
I've never deserved this. That's an interesting phrase, and with things maybe that have happened in our past or mistakes that have been done to us or whatever it may be, I know that our statement would be, I've never deserved this, and we can begin to talk about how life is not fair. And I want to encourage you, yes, life is not fair. Life happens. There is imbalance. There are things that get out of whack and out of rhythm, and and hurt happens and pain happens. But that's just because that's the world that we live in. God had to give us choice of good and evil. When we chose evil, we allowed evil to come in. And so at times, there's going to be difficult things. But when you walk through life with humility, you realize, I've never deserved any of this. What I have, I don't deserve this. God's blessed me with it. And God is the one who is constantly in control, not me. It's God first. The very first verse we read, it's Jesus who raised me from the dead, not me. I didn't do anything. Jesus raised me to life. I've never deserved this. And here's the thing to understand. It really put our life in perspective when it comes to in Tampa as it is in heaven. Is this idea, this phrase, because the line is longer than the dot. Where does this come from? This comes from a, little, a small little book called The Treasure Principle, written by a guy named Randy Alcorn. And he encourages us to live our life understanding that the line is longer than the dot. As you write that down, if you can't fully grasp what that means, look at this diagram up here on the screen. So the dot is our life. And a lot, a lot of people, they live for the dot. Fill up the dot with success. Fill up the dot with relationships. Fill up the dot with what I want, with what I'm doing, with what I'm earning. Fill up the dot with a life of success, all the above. Only problem is, life does not end at the dot. There's a little jump, and then there's a long forever eternity that happens regardless of what we've done in the dot. And see, that one little dot affects the long line of eternity. And what matters in the dot? Pretty much two things. Who did you say Jesus was and what did you do with it? Who did you say Jesus is in your life and then what did you do with it? And a lot of times in life we walk through despair. Here's why. Because our treasure is found in the dot. The whole treasure principle. If your treasure is found in the dot, the older you get, the more despair you're going to have. Because, we are, because we're believing that this life is all that there is. And the more we're going to get full of despair of, oh man, life's almost over. Uh, uh. But if our treasure is in the arrow of eternity with Jesus and doing things that we can build eternity, we actually begin to rejoice in life. I made the joke earlier to our home team that there was a guy at the Chick-fil-A that, that worked at the Chick-fil-A in the mall that every time I would come up to him and say, hey, how you doing today? He'd say, one day closer to heaven. I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. Kind of weird, but all right. But honestly, that may be a perspective shift that could really help us get through some things in our life because our treasure is in the eternal promise of heaven, not in the performance-driven dot that sometimes takes over our life. The line is longer than the dot. That's the walk of humility. Third thing is this, the third heavenly thing, kindness. Kindness. What is the prayer? In heaven, in Tampa, as it is in heaven, God, Jesus, let me represent your love here. That's the one thing I want to do. Let me represent your love here to my wife, to my family, to my friends, to my neighborhood, to people that I come in contact with. Let me be a source of kindness and hope. When I hand an invite card to Easter, and I know it's not just a piece of paper, it's the kindness that God has shown me reaching out to them and letting them know, hey, there's a place for you here. I'm saving you a seat. I noticed you, and I want you to know who Jesus is in your life. See, again, the Bible tells us that it's not the, the pressure 
that leads us to this thing called repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from our sin and our life and turning towards God. It's not pressure from God that leads to repentance. It's not blame or shame that leads to repentance. It says that it's in God's kindness he has led us to repentance. God is a kind and good God, and my one desire is to represent that to the people around me. Why? Because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Limited time and incredible opportunity. As I was studying for this message this morning, and the band can begin to come out because we're finishing up here. As I was studying for this message this morning, I was thinking about this phrase I kept seeing pop up, and it's even a book that a pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle wrote, and it's this phrase, it's, they use two different terms. It's either the practical atheist or the Christian atheist. Now, some of us in here, we would say, no, I'm not an atheist, I believe in God. Now, with our theology, yes, we believe in God. We are not an atheist who does not believe in God. But in our lifestyle, we might be the practical atheist. I've been thinking about this a lot in my own life. Because if my belief in God and my faith in Jesus does not change my day-to-day, then what good is it? See, my theology may be, yes, I believe in God, but my lifestyle may preach that I'm still in control, or it's about what I would like to do or what this earth gives me. See, when you really surrender, it's not about a practical atheist or a Christian atheist thing. It's realizing I've set my mind on the things above. The only things that are real are the things I've been given by God. In another translation of the Bible, it says that we set our sights on the realities of heaven. I know there's a bigger reality than what I see. There's limited time. It's not a, you know, burst your bubble type message, but I want you to know that our life, just like the milk in our fridge, has an expiration date. And I'm praying for all of us that it's way, way, way in the future. But there's a limited time here where we have to make a difference. But there is incredible opportunity to realize that the kindness that we show someone, the care to serve someone, the invitation to bring someone into God's house could have eternal, incredible outcome for someone's life. We never know the difference we can make until one day where we get to see it manifested in heaven. Limited time, incredible opportunity. Maybe that's a humbling thing for us to begin to walk in and to really look at, am I representing the love of God here through my language, through my actions, through my social media presence? The fourth heavenly thing to build your life around is faith. Faith in God above all things. I trust you. I trust you. As a youth pastor, I would always use this example and I would always get a little bit crazier with it where it would start with a table and it would be like a stage this high, then it'd be up really high. I'd do the whole trust fall thing, right? Where it's like, okay, close your eyes, stretch out your hands and just fall backwards. And I, we used to do it on the floor, but then I was like, you know, I'm a youth pastor. That's not crazy enough. That's not shocking enough. <laughs> Let's do it up on a table. And what would happen, and, and you know, sad to say sometimes I had to stop doing this because kids would get hurt sometimes because they'd get so afraid of fully falling back what they would do is they would kind of gingerly step down and they would miss the table and, and trip and fall or fall off the wrong way or, you know, fall down and hit their face on the... That's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> I should have known by the first time. But I share with that not to say, wow, I'm glad you're not a youth pastor anymore and I'm not going to do that here. Don't worry. I say that to say that happens in our life. That we are like, okay, God, I trust you, but... Uh, oh, 
You know, we try to grab our own footing and get in a place where we're comfortable. Rather than God's, would you just fall? <laughs> would you just fall and trust me? I'm going to be here. I'm going to catch you. Faith is saying, God, I trust you no matter what. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'm going to still believe whether I see it or not. Why? Because it's the smart and significant way to live. It's the smart way to live. And it's the significant way to live. What does significance mean? Meaning that it's going to outlast me. It's made an impact and it's made a difference. And it's helping those around me see who God is. It's helping those around me understand that there is hope that has a name. And that name is Jesus. I want to leave you with a quote today by one of my favorite authors. He wrote the message translation of the Bible. And I want to encourage you today with this idea in Tampa as it is in heaven, whether you're here in person or watching online. Here's what it says. Jesus today has many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who will carry his cross. Many who yearn for comfort, few who long for distress. Plenty of people he finds to share his banquet table, few to share his fast. Everyone desires to take part in his rejoicing, but few are willing to suffer anything for his sake. There are many that follow Jesus as far as the breaking of bread, few as far as the drinking the cup of suffering, many that revere his miracles, few that follow him in the indignity of his cross. And the book that this is in is the quest for life at its best. That's what I want for you. Life at its best. Life at its best is eternity-minded, viewing life through the lens of eternity and understanding heaven is my home, not earth. And then I'll give you this statement as we close, is that you will never regret anything that you invest in eternity. You will never regret anything that builds up God's kingdom for eternity. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Maybe you're here in this place and it's causing you to take inventory today of your life and where you're at. Heavenly minded or seeing the things of earth. And I would encourage you today to simply say and pray, God, help me see the things above. Help me set my heart and my mind on the things of heaven to view life through the lens of eternity because my eternity is a real thing and heaven is a real place. And I'll be honest with you today, local city church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, heaven is a real place and it doesn't just happen by accident that we step through the doorway to heaven why Jesus came. And it happens when we surrender our life and say yes to Jesus and give him our life. And say, I can't do this without you. I've messed up. Forgive me and set me free. I want to be eternity with you in heaven. And it starts with praying just a simple prayer of relationship, surrendering your life to him and trusting Jesus. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. But the prayer is the invitation that brings you into that relationship. And that's why we're here today. So as we close, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would pray this prayer with me, from the bottom of your hearts and meaning it from the depths of your soul, let's repeat this all together for those saying it for the first time. Would you say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. And I know you're alive today. Thank you for saving me. I didn't deserve it, but you did it anyway. Forgive me and set me free. In Jesus' name, we'll all say amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for those who prayed that for the first time.